Well, welcome. I'm so glad to see all of your faces. Um, I am the mother, and this is going to actually be a mother teaching moment. So mothers in the house, you kind of know what that's like. You know how when you have that uh, opportunity to um, share some wisdom with your kids, and, um, and so you sit them down and you say, hey, I want to share a life lesson with you. I want to share something that's really going to help you to grow and prosper and so this is, this is one of those teaching moments. Um, what we've been doing over the past, well, really since the first of the year, we really heard from the Lord that we were really to equip people to begin to walk in the promises that have laid dormant for so long. I love Jared's new song, and I think he really taps into that reality of hope. And I, I believe the body of Christ has been um, hope deferred and heart sick because they've been laboring, and they've been laboring, but they haven't really seen the fruit of their labors. So um, what we've tried to do is we've tried to um, equip you guys to live in the fullness of these promises by dusting all of the promises off and revisiting them. We've talked to you about beginning to line the Word up with the Word of God. In fact, Jason, it's so interesting how we're all kind of flowing in that same stream and how he was bringing that as well how to be part of the Logos and the Rhema Word. Because both are important, and there are promises that each one of you have that needs to be appropriated, and you need to dust that off and pull it out of your mouth and begin to co-create again with the Lord. Because he's saying today that I'm going to put, another, I'm going to put a double portion of grace on those words, and what you've been carrying, you're now going to see in this time. So we've really begun to see a lot of that happening and I was so excited last night that um, he brought the fire stick. And in fact, somebody, um, who was it? Is, is anybody here that sent a text to Jason whose name means fire stick? I mean, I, I don't, I think it was Brandon or something. Anyway, he said, I was part of the um, ministry last night. I was here and I was part of the, what was it? Brant. Brant. Okay. Thank you. And, um, and his name means fire stick. And that's happened to us a lot when he'll bring a message. When Jason comes here and he brings a message, a person with the name of the message that he's bringing is here. It happened the last time he came when reward, with reward. He was talking about the reward that the Lord is, is giving us, that he's, we're really in a season of being retooled for his kingdom. Amen? Um, so that was really very cool. Then um, we hosted a Luke 418 deliverance conference conference and introduce many of you to our Luke 418 ministry with the hope of a lot of times if you're stalled or if you're on pause or even going in reverse, what you've done is you've really allowed the enemy to come in and, and, and a lot of times he's done it without our knowledge and begun to steal the promises. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to begin to uncap you in the places that you can't see because we can't see 360, right? And so um, John and I have had the privilege of going through this ministry ourselves. And I'll tell you, I just feel amazing. I mean, I, 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 um, I feel like a completely different person after I went through some deliverance. Now, I've been through deliverance before, but God is, is we're, we're always moving from glory to glory, right? And so he doesn't take us and go, okay, I'm going to explode in you in one fell swoop. But what he does is he just takes us layer by layer so that we can begin to walk in the victory. Oh, I've got a layer that's removed. Now I'm going to begin to walk in the promises so I can begin to, to grow 
without that demonic influence. And then he's going to take me to another season, and there, there may be some more deliverance. And we're going to keep doing this until I get to heaven. Amen? Because yeah. I'm not free enough. So today, what I really want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you about what I, I think is central to the kingdom. And I think that the church, in the most part, has lost this as a part of, of their community um, expression. And that is um, the art of hospitality. Did you know that the, the, the industry, the hospitality industry, is actually one of the largest growing industries in America? And I'm not talking about hospitality for if you're going into hotels or you're going into that type of industry. No, I'm talking about hospitality um, counselors who are being brought into Fortune 500 companies, who are being brought into companies because Americans have actually lost their good manners. Because we've gotten so busy that we actually don't see one another. We don't take time for the one and the church is really suffering with this reality as well. And so I want to talk about that today because I think it, um, I've, I, I've done a study on hospitality, which I, I've never done before. How many of you have ever done a study on hospitality? Right, it's not like up there. It's not like the fun one. You know, it's like, power, encounter, hospitality. You know, it's like, let grandma do that, Right? Well, I'm a grandma, and we're going to talk, okay? So no matter what your vocation, can we all agree that you're all full-time ministers? That you all function in the, in the five-fold ministry, right? So you have, you have the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the pastors, and the evangelists. Each one of you are functioning in maybe a, a, a multiple gifts, multiple offices, Right? So you can do a lot of it, and, and, and you don't go to church, you are the church, right? So, I mean, I'm just covering some basics here. You're the ecclesia, you are the church, you are the temple of God, you are the living temple of God, Christ lives in you, and everywhere you go, you take him with you. You are living houses of prayer, mobile houses of prayer, right? All right. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up if you are in any other vocation other than uh, full or part-time ministry. Go ahead. I want everybody here, if you're in some other vocation other than full or part-time ministry, I want you to stand. Okay, I want you to look around the room and, and tell me what you see. You see a room full of pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles, right? All right, you can go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> now, what you do for your vocation and how you make money has nothing to do with the kingdom. It has nothing to do with the call on your life other than the fact that God may have placed you in a place in order to advance his kingdom in that place, right? All right, so you have the privilege of being a sent one because you have a job outside of the church. A lot of us don't even see ourselves as evangelists. We just know that we work outside of the church. And a lot of us think that the only type of evangelist that is, you know, has, has been shown to us is somebody who's, who works for the church and he goes out and evangelizes, right? 
He goes to Africa or he goes wherever or he goes all around the city. But the majority of people in America have jobs. Of course, not as much today as they used to. But anyway, we won't go there. Um, so what you do to make a living has nothing to do with the fact that you are called to be ministers that are flames of fire. And so the fire that is within you is really supposed to be deposited everywhere that you go, including your job, right? So turn to Romans 12. Because I want to talk about hospitality today, and I want to talk about it in a way that we can begin to do what the first church did so we can get what the first church got. Amen? All right, Romans 8, verse 9. But you are, wait, 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 what did I say? 12, thank you. Romans 12, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. That word hypocrisy means let love be without a mask. So Paul is saying, your love is, cannot truly be love unless you can connect to other people. And a lot of times, if we've gone through, and this is why we did the Luke 418 conference, if you've gone through hardship or you've gone through heartbreak or any kind of trauma, the reality of that is, is a lot of times shame came in, embarrassment, abandonment, rejection. So what you do is you... You don't know it, but through the fear and control, you've actually put on a mask. And it's a veil that's between you and other people. And even though you're going through the routine of love, you're not actually connecting to people in love. And so you're asking yourself, I don't understand why I'm not getting promoted. I don't understand because there's supposed to be favor. This guy has favor on his life. Or I don't understand why people aren't responding to me when I pour myself out to them. And so what that is, is there's actually something there that needs to be removed. And so Paul taps into this and he says, listen, you cannot, you got to remove the masks. We have to get real with people, begin to get vulnerable, vulnerable with people and intimate with people. Meaning, you, I give you permission to see what's on the inside of me. I, give you per, I am going to share with you the things that make me cry, the things that make me scared, some of my insecurities, and the things that I'm wrestling with before the Lord. Because the minute that I, that I come to you and I, and I position myself as someone that has it all together, then I've just put on that hypocrisy that's between the two of us. Someone said to me recently, I don't understand why you're going through, uh, why you went through deliverance. I mean, <clears throat> you're the director. <laughs> well, here's the good news and the bad news. Directors and, and pastors aren't perfect. And we've got our stuff as well. And the key is to continually pursue love. The fullness of love, Right? And just to be a broken vessel that can leak all over the place. Amen? All right. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Say that. Brotherly love. Say it again. Brotherly love. 
in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligent, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, and distributing to the needs of the saints, and given to hospitality. Given to hospitality. Do you know the root word of hospitality is hospital? given to hospitality. So you're actually supposed to be that place where people, where the sick can come and get healed. And he's saying that he's, he's equating love and brotherly love, kindly affectionate. I mean, it's, it's what Jeremy and Vince were just doing just now. There was a, there's a brotherly love that was happening and he was being kindly affectionate. Giving someone a hug helping somebody when they're down. What would you do if you walked in this house and your brother was sitting in the coffee shop? Would you pass him by? Or would you stop and say, oh my God, you're in church. (laughs) That's what I would say. (laughs) Amen, praise the Lord. Henry Nowen said this, a famous, um, if you've ever read his books, um, He's a contemplative prayer guy who wrote many books on the philosophies of Christ. He said this, if there is any concept worth restoring to its original depth and evocative potential, it is the concept of hospitality. See, what I want to do today is I want to talk about not hospitality as the world would see hospitality, but I want to talk to you about the, what does the Bible, what is the biblical form of hospitality? Because if Paul continued to talk about it, if Peter continued to talk about it, if they continued, if John kept talking about it and kept praising the churches for what? Their hospitality. Because they saw a value in it, and it was a value system that was part of the Christian experience. And during the time of the first church, the Jews who were not saved saw on these Christians something that was so unique, and it was a love and a laying down of their lives for one another that they were astounded at. They were like, these guys... They hug and embrace, they're affectionate, they're kind, they're building one another up, they're hospitable to one another. And it was the evidence of who they were. Hospitality as a framework provides a bridge which connects our theology with daily life and concerns. Recovering hospitality is central to the gospel message in that in its very nature is a welcome mat. The fuller awareness of the richness of hospitality tradition and the extraordinary experiences associated with it enriches the Christian faith and brings Christian practice into closer alignment with basic values of the kingdom. When hospitality is used as a lens to understand the gospel, we develop a practice that can welcome Jesus himself. I don't know about you, but I really want to see Jesus show up, not just in this room, but I want to see him show up in my workplace. I want to see him show up in my home. I want to see him show up in my relationships. 
Paul exhorted the church in Philippi of their hospitality towards him in Philippians 4. And he said to them, you have welcomed me and your hospitality. I am now, he's yelling it to all the other churches. He is, he is setting up the church of Philippi as an example of their hospitality towards him. He says that even when he went to the other churches who would not support him and would not help him, that the church of Philippi that wasn't even part of the, of the pouring out in these other churches, they would come behind him and support him. Isn't that incredible? And so he was saying, this to me is so valuable because you've just expressed the love of Christ to me, which now, which I need in order to advance the kingdom. It's helped me to grow and it's, and it's, it's taken me to the hospital of Jesus Christ so that my heart can be healed. Amen? There was a, see, there is a connection between communion and hospitality. Can I have some water? Thanks. See, communion is fellowship. Communion is sharing what you have with others. Jesus himself said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do the practice of taking communion, my body and my blood, because I'm sharing myself with you in that place, right? And do this in remembrance of me. But there's so much more to communion than just that, because you actually take that and, and, and you put communion in a practical form, and what you have is you are actually beginning to commune, and you're beginning to share yourself and Christ in you, the blood and the bread that lives within you, you're sharing it with other people. And it's causing them to remember Jesus. It's supposed to be more than just taking a sacrament. We are called to commune together. What I have is yours. And if I hold back any of myself to self-protect, being afraid I'm going to be hurt, or being afraid you won't like me, or being uh, fearful that you'll reject me, then what I've done is I haven't really allowed you to know me. And the very essence of man and the desire of man is to know others and to be known by them. See, I want you to know me fully. You may not like what you see, but I really want to give you an opportunity to know me. And I really, really want to know you. Amen? The Latin root of communion All right. <laughs> Clean it up. Someone's Googling you. Yeah, they are. The Latin root of communion is communis, meaning participation by all. The same root is used for the words common, community, and communicate. When you communion with others as a Christ one, as a sent one, whether you're at your work or you're in church or you're on, in your neighborhood communing with others, this goes with you. You share something in common. 
you are building community and you are learning how to communicate from a place of intimacy. Amen? The question is, how do we practically show genuine Christian love and community? There's one clear answer, community through hospitality. Communion through hospitality. Communication through hospitality. So, understanding the Christian family. I'm going to take you through some scriptures. Actually, I'm just going to summarize some scriptures. Number one, the Christians greeted one another with a holy kiss. Number two, they shared material possessions. Number three, the early Christians met in homes. Number four, they ate together. Number five, they cared for their widows. Number six, when appropriate, they disciplined their members. Number seven, brotherliness provided the guiding principle of contact between members. Number eight, they showed hospitality. Turn to Acts 2.42. Okay, so you just got the breaking in of Pentecost, right? And it says that 3,000 were saved and they were gladly received and gladly received the word of the Lord and they were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So here you've got the upper room experience. You've got the 3,000. You've got the breaking in, right? And then uh, Peter goes on and he says this, 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So they did four things as a community, right? So they came together to listen to the apostles' doctrine. Okay, there wasn't a New Testament. So what were they getting? They were getting fresh manna from heaven through the apostles. And they were giving them what heaven was saying. Right? So we've got to have that in order for us to stay alive and stay in the season that God has us in, right? So it's a guiding thing. It's a teaching thing. And then it says that the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. So they were in community and they were communing with one another with a common bond. In the breaking of bread, so... This, in the breaking of bread, all right, they, they actually could be taking communion or they could just be having a meal. Do you know that there's something spiritual when you sit down at the table with someone and begin to eat with them? Thank God for Texas and ribeyes, right? Mediterranean fish stuff. I'm like, give me a big old steak. My steaks usually take up my whole plate, and I am not going to apologize for that. Born and bred. Yeah, yeah. All right, the breaking of bread and prayers. And it says, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Let me tell you something. Without a community environment, this reality is not going to come. Because there's unity in community. And the Lord is looking for that reality in this house. Now all who believed, whoop, where was I? Da, 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 da. Now all who believed were together and they had all things in 
common. It's that root word again. They were sharing things with one another. They were sharing their hearts, sharing their stuff, sharing their homes, sharing their ideas, sharing their revelation about Jesus. Everything that was mine is yours. Do you need money? Oh, wait, your car broke down. Let's all take up an offering and buy um, a car for Payton. <laughs> Everybody here has, we love you, Payton. I love your car. Oh, you did? Awesome. Be healed in Jesus' name. All right. So hospitality promotes a loving Christian environment. Yale classical and New Testament scholar Abraham something, I can't pronounce his last name, points out that among the first Christians, hospitality was not merely a practical consideration, but it was a theological one. The Christian practice of hospitality was not viewed simply as a means of overcoming a practical problem in the church. Theological statements by different authors in the New Testament show that it was frequently viewed as a concrete expression of Christian love. Because he said, listen, you may prophesy, call down fire from heaven, but if you don't have love, you are a clanging gong, right? So you're just a big void and nothing, you're not, everything you're saying is just hitting you back in your face because it's hitting this place where you're not able to truly express yourself in love. In the foundational church, hospitality was used to launch the gospel. Acts 5.42, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as Christ. All right, how many of you have a house? Raise your hand. All right, I want you to look around. Oh, whatever, you non-hand raisers. I know you live somewhere, not under a bridge. They have houses too. Oh, any place. Apartment. If you have an apartment, okay. All right. What? Okay. I'm sorry. I'm... Technicality. Technicality. Okay, let me rephrase that. Do you have a home? All right. A roof, any kind. You can have a screaming neighbor if you're in an apartment, whatever. So you have a place. Everybody has a place. So that actually qualifies you for hospitality according to the biblical standard. Through the ministry of hospitality, we provide friendship, acceptance, fellowship, refreshment, comfort, and love in one of the richest and deepest possible ways for the humans to understand. There's nothing that's more life-giving for you to be invited to someone's home and for them to extravagantly cook a meal for you and to serve you, that, that, that makes you feel honored, loved. They bring the dessert out. You're like, no way, you made dessert? Right? And you're like, I feel like a queen, especially when they're a good cook. Amen. Come on. Charles, where do you live? Um, and then you begin to break bread. So that spiritual dynamic of Christ becomes to be awakened. Woo! 
And then you begin to talk about Jesus, right? And what happens? All of the sudden, the revelation that they have, you're beginning to benefit from. I don't care where you are, if you're a professional minister or whatever, everybody has something to contribute, and they all carry, you all carry a revelation that the rest of us need. I need what you have. My son talks about Jesus, and I mean, he begins to prophesy, and I'm undone. He's 12. (laughs) Turn to Hebrews 13. Hebrews, by the way, is my favorite book. Hebrews 13, 1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Isn't that awesome? So you may have some people that are in your workplace that really need to be invited over to your house for a meal. They really need to be fed by you. They really need to be loved by you. They need to see not just the words of a Christian, but they need to see Christ in action. And there's something about being invited into someone's home because you begin to experience not just who, the flavor of who they are. You see their pictures. You see their children. You see how they interact with their families, Right? And especially for unbelievers, that can really bless them. So you become a witness and an evangelist in that place because that's how the first church evangelized. Right? Cornelius, right? Where was Cornelius saved? In his home. Right? Come on. This is how we evangelize. This is the primary place of evangelism, and we've lost the art of it. We've even lost the art of it in our own community. I can't know you on Sunday. I can't know you unless I eat with you, unless I, I dine with you, unless I get to know you in your own home. Or you're in my own home. John and I have open door policy around our house. We have parties. And I was looking back at my schedule because I wanted to see if I, how I could improve on this. How can I, because it, I mean, it all starts with me, right? So what have I been doing and how have I been um, entertaining and, and how have I been hospi- hospitable to the community, right? So I was going through and I was looking at my schedule and I found that either once or twice a week, John and I are having supper with someone. And that's a lot. But here's what I love that the Bible says. Hold on. I'm skipping ahead. Oh, hospitality is actually a biblical requirement for church leadership. Okay, He gives all of these things in 1 Timothy 3 and also in Titus 1. He gives requirements for you to be a church leader, and listed among them is hospitality. Now, we can do this a lot of different ways. You can do it through life groups. But really, I think the best way is just to invite some people over and cook for them. Yeah, and we've got this dinner straight. Thank you, Matthew. 
<laughs> We've kind of organized some hospitality with dinners for eight. And I love it because it's kind of like, have you ever gone to a, like one of those mystery parties? Okay, some of those are kind of creepy, but anyway, it's kind of like that. <laughs> but it's not creepy. So you don't know who, you're at, who else is actually going to show up at that party. So you get to be with and meet people that you typically wouldn't maybe hang out with, right? And then you discover them. You discover their story. It's that deep calling to deep, and you get to know them, right? Right. Woo! Wake up. Are we all there? Oh. All right. Paul tells us over and over again, I want you to pursue hospitality. I want you to pursue it. I want to tell you a testimony that I just heard about when I was at the call in Chicago. Um, there was a man there. I was going into the elevator. I was, I was at like a hotel across the street from this big stadium event, this big call event. And um, so I go to get in the elevator, and there's a guy there who is, is there anything I'm missing? Okay. They are all smiles up here like Cheshire cats. If you could see it, it's really cool. All right. Yeah. Anyway, so I go to get on the elevator, and there is this special forces guy. Of course, he's dressed all in camo. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't see you. <laughs> camo in the city. What is it with those special forces guys? It's like, you need a wife to talk to you about that right there. Don't you know, husbands, when you are leaving the house and your wife says to you, are you going to wear that? <laughs> I am wearing this. Anyway, make a, make a 180 and get back in the closet. Anyway, so I'm getting on the elevator, and the guy goes, I'm sorry, ma'am, but this elevator is occupied. And I'm looking on it, and there's no one there. And I'm thinking, what are you smoking? So I just kind of backed away. You know, he had that voice like, I will kill you. <laughs> So I just backed away, and um, later I found out that these special forces guys were actually protecting um, an ex-radical Muslim that was going to be giving his testimony and, and actually praying for his Jewish brother, both who had received Christ, but really repenting on behalf of the Muslims and everything that they had done to the Jews. So... I, 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 I was listening to this man's testimony, and I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, but I'm going to tell you the testimony, and if anybody else can Google it or think of it, you know who I'm talking about? He was also at Morningstar. Um, so his story goes like this. He came to America, and he was sent here by the radical imams in the Middle East, and he was sent here on a mission to start a cell group to destroy America. And so as he came here with hatred in his heart, hating Christians and Jews, and came here for our destruction, he actually got into a car accident. And it was a very bad car accident, life-threatening. Um, he was actually paralyzed on, on part of his body. A Christian family found out about it, and they knew who he was. I'm not sure all of the details of that. They go to the hospital. This man had no one to care for him because he had no family. They go to the hospital, and they said, we'll take you to our home. So he stayed in their home during his time of recovery. 
and they cared for him and nursed him back to health. And what he began to witness was how the husband and the wife treated one another and how the father and the mother loved their children. And so this is being witnessed to him, and he's seeing the love of Christ in this family, and it's causing conflict to arise in his own heart about, the, about Allah and the God that he serves. Because this had never been shown to him. This kind of love was radical, and it was right in his face. This is a, an Ananias-Saul moment. And so what he did is he cried out to Allah and said, if you are God, show yourself to me. Nothing happened. And he said, Jesus, if you are truth, and if you are God, show yourself to me. And he's kneeling in his bedroom late at night, so conflicted in his heart. And as he's looking down, he sees the feet of a man appear before him. And Jesus himself was standing right before him. And from that point, you can imagine the rest of the story. But it was hospitality that gripped his heart and caused him to question his own reality. So here's what I want to do. Jerry, do you want to come on up? Every single one of you has a home. And Jesus said to us that when he comes back, he's going to take us home. And he's going to take us home by way of a banqueting table. Right? Because he understands the importance of communing with us. And communing, us communing with one another. Every single one of you needs to invite someone in this room to your home. And if you are feeling really bad and you're thinking to yourself, well, nobody ever invites me and nobody ever includes me. Let me tell you what my grandmother used to say. She said, it takes a friend to be a friend. It takes a friend to have a friend. It takes a friend to have a friend. You have to be a friend to have a friend. If I ever encounter someone and all of a sudden rejection comes up in my heart, I have learned that what I have to do is press through that and press through and be a better friend, be more loving towards that person. You don't intend to, re- we, nobody intends to reject anybody. But we've just got to pursue people in love, right? <clears throat> so what I want to do is I want us all, to, while we're worshiping, to really get a picture of what it is to be called home. Because all of us long to have a place called home. I long to go home, to be with him. I long to be held by him. But in the meantime, I have you. And you're my home. And I'm yours.
So why don't we, during the time of worship, really cry out and say, God, show me how to be a home for all of the lost, for the people in my neighborhood, for the people at my work, and for the people in this church. Okay? So let me pray over you. Well, Father, I thank you that you're the best home that anybody could ask for, that you're faithful and true. Thank you for the families that you've brought to this house. Thank you for how loving and generous they are, how gracious they are. Thank you, Father, that you've given us all a home. You've given us all a place to lay our heads. And that you're not looking at how much money we have. You're not looking if we're great cooks. You're not looking at anything other than the fact that we have Christ burning in us. So I ask, Father, tonight that you would help us to learn the art of hospitality again. That we could relearn, that we could reawaken hospitality first in this house, Father. So that we could begin to take communion together. The body and the blood of Christ. And lots of good steak. Or hamburger, depending on the budget. Amen? So Father, just show us what home is. If you guys need prayer for anything, if you need um, healing, a prophetic word, you're sad in your heart over anything, just come up here, we'll pray for you. Amen. Uh, you know what? Jeremy thought it would be a good idea if I impart hospitality. So why don't you all stand? Let me talk about, let me talk about Tracy for a second. She has an incredible gift of hospitality. And she's a great cook. So um, there might be some ladies and men in here who want that gift too. Um, but just let her, let her, put, her put her hand on you and um, just pass on that anointing. And, but it's not one of those things where you can go to God and say, I don't have a gift of hospitality, God, so I can't do it. It's, like, <laughs> it's not like raising the dead. It's like inviting someone to your house. Yeah. So, um, yeah, come on up and let Tracy uh, bless you. Amen. So, Father, I do, I just thank you for breath mint. <laughs> While I pray for everyone here. <laughs> just to say that. Let's just all say that. Hallelujah! All right. Let's all go be hospitable. Well, Father, I thank you that you care so much about community and you care so much about how we love one another and how we come together and represent you in love. That we cook and we laugh and we play games. Father, give us a gift of hospitality. Give us, I, I ask God that we would be the most hospitable church in the DFW area. So I bless everyone here with a gift of hospitality. That you would break in over us, Father. Give us creative ideas. How we can make people feel like royalty in our homes. We can make them feel like the most special people in the world, that they are your, that you are their biggest fan. 
that they would come alive when we love them like this, when we cook for them, when we play with them. I pray right now, God, that you would show everyone here who they're to invite to their house. God gave us homes so that we can be hospitable. So, Lord, I love you so much, and you're welcome to come over and have Whataburger at my house tonight. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen.